Welcome to the RPG Archive. This is the first ever entrant in the RPG Archive. Uh, so this will be very exciting. This is our podcast where we talk about RPGs in depth. And usually we break them out into several games. Today's a little different because we're playing one of the original RPGs. It's nobody's favorite, Dragon Quest One. I'm excited to have with me Teddy from Majority. Teddy, how's it going? Hey, Spencer. Happy to be here. Teddy's part of the inspiration for the channel. And uh, this this series, the Dragon Quest series in and of itself, is, is super important to us because it actually marks the start of our friendship. That it does. I remember you checking out the Dragon Quest Swords video I did way back in the day. And you know, that was a little goofy. But it's nice to see we've kind of... Uh, Found our path here in the YouTube video making uh, system, and now we're we're catering that towards the turn based RPG content, and in this case, Dragon Quest. Yeah, this is going to be a great show. Before we get to it, let's get some plugs out of the way. We've got your channel, Majority. Woohoo, Majority. Any other your side channels you want to plug? Uh just the Bud Mappers, our our mutual podcast. <laughs> me, Spencer, Alex. Yeah. Yeah, we, we cover we map some... out games. Yeah, we cover... map out games. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see the maps of games, go to the button mappers. That's on uh, mm-hmm. iTunes or not iTunes now. It's just Apple Apple Podcasts. And I'm working on Spotify. I'm I'm trying to do the research. Sweet. But I'll get us there. <laughs> yeah, and this this show should be on that as well. <laughs> I don't know if it, it's definitely not right now because it's the first episode, but uh, it should be in the future. So make sure you check that out if you're listening to it in the past. Um, today, man, hell of a show. We've got the original Dragon Quest. This is the one that started all, a lot of people consider it the granddaddy of um, J, the JRPG and maybe even just the RPG in terms of gaming. Um, this is a hell of an undertaking to do, but it's also luckily a very simple game. So we should be able to cover it in one sitting. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can uh, probably finish it in a sitting, too. <laughs> Before we jump into any of the, the details, um, this is this is the first Dragon Quest, and this is like, together, I mean, to, it's for me, it's like my favorite series if in terms of like actual series of games. What, where does this stand with you in terms of like just Dragon Quest? Uh, series-wise, yeah. or the individual games? So top, this has been my top three series. I put it up there with Zelda and Shin Megami Tensei. And um, in terms of the games, I played this one after the fact. I had I had dabbled in three, four, five, seven, and eight, probably before I dabbled in one. But I have nostalgia for it because I played Monsters, Dragon Warrior Monsters on the Game Boy Color way back in the day when yeah. I played uh, Dragon Warrior 3. Very similar in terms of visual style, music. Uh, so you have that classic uh, Koichi Sugiyama uh, OST. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of the tracks are familiar due to that. Yeah. I, I did some research. Well, I was doing my research for this show, and I didn't. I guess I kind of knew it, but never knew it, like, fra- factually for sure. But apparently Dragon Quest Monsters was made after Dragon Quest V. Like, that was the inspiration for it. Yeah, there's like kind of an interesting timeline that Monsters falls between five and six. Mm. 
That's so interesting. So. And it's it's weird because of all like and we'll we'll get into this way way later when we get to these these other games. So assuming we get there. Um but Dragon Quest Monsters never really got like a big remake that we probably would want. So not the remake we want. Yeah, yeah it yeah. did get a remake but just, you know. Uh Joker on the DS was kind of like a a spin-off of the spin-off, so mm-hmm. that was interesting. Yeah. There was the 3DS remake, but again, uh, relegated to Japan. I actually own that, but um, yeah. Yeah, we're still clamoring for it over here. Hopefully it comes out. But <laughs> that'll be for another date. We're here to cover Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior. No numbers, <laughs> because at the time, <laughs> it was the only one. Uh, let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, so the first thing I want to bring up is Yuji Hori. He's the right. guy. That, he's the guy that created it. He's our grandpappy. <laughs> uh, I just want to get a, get some little facts out. Of it. I'm just using Wikipedia, so there's nothing super detailed here. But uh, Hori was born in Awaji. And oh god, you're gonna have to do these because I don't know Japanese. <laughs> Awaji Island, Awahi, Awaji. Spell it. A W A J I. Awaji. Awaji Island, Japan. Sure. Graduated uh, with in the Department of Literature from Waseda University, and um, worked at a freelance as a freelance writer for newspapers, comics, and magazines. Um, entered an Enix-sponsored gaming program contest. It's a manga artist or manga competition, right? Um, no programming. Oh, interesting. And programmed the game Love Match Tennis, a tennis video game. Which motivated him. That, to become... that was his first, right? Yeah. The first video game through Enix. Cool. I think he also took a lot of inspiration for this game uh, from from Western RPGs. I know you said earlier in the program that um, this is like the progenitor of of turn based RPGs, especially. This was like I think the uh, the real uh, the chance for Japan to own the genre. Yeah. Well, I found that so interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. So let's let's move over to that. I, I will say that he did Portopia Serial Murder Case. Never heard of that, but apparently it inspired Hideo Kojima um, to make video games, which, of course, he would go on to make Metal Gear Solid, which is one of my favorite series. But anyway, yeah, he did. Uh, he got inspiration from Wizardry and Ultima. So there's a real ironic twist here in that he took inspiration from Western RPGs to kickstart the JRPG phenomenon (laughs) (laughs) the irony because we we tend to think of like you know the classic rpg is the turn-based one but i think those pc genre of rpgs like 80s pc games um kind of like are i don't know the right word for it like a time capsule of sorts but one that like people just left in the ground yeah, exactly. Because they don't, like you know, there's a very niche fan base for that kind of game versus turn-based RPGs tend to be a bit more mainstream, which is bizarre because I remember we were talking 5 years ago about like turn-based RPGs, are they ever going to come back? Yeah. Now they're huge again. Right. <laughs> which is great. Good for us. Uh yeah, I find that super interesting. So obviously like those games started with the love of D&D, right? Like just people loving D&D and wanting to kind of make that into something that could be a video game. 
Mm. Well, also uh, about, you know, making this kind of the home console experience, because PC, you have a keyboard, you have a mouse, you can do point and click. With a controller, you can't really do much. Mm -hmm. So there, I think there was this idea of simplifying the experience, also kind of bringing it out of the arcades. You did have these kind of adventure games in the arcades where you had to keep popping the quarters in. Uh, he mentioned um, that he wanted this to be more of like a less stressful story driven experience. Yeah. That's so interesting that he would bring that up because it really is like, even to this day, RP one of the reasons I love RPGs is how not stressful they are. Despite, you know, the storylines end up, especially nowadays being like, this is the end of all time. Like this, if you don't stop this war warlord, he will, um, he will rule space time continuum. Right, we're um, gonna resurrect Satan so that he can <laughs> spawn the demons of humanity. But yeah, but That's despite all that, that vision still rings true. That it's just like it's not really stressful. Like you can kind of go at your own pace. There's not a lot of timed button pressing, jumping, difficulty stuff like that. It's more your pace, which is, I think yeah, I, love I, that of I, I think conceptually. It's it's very well intentioned in terms of execution of how well the first Dragon Warrior does it. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, not too much to say on him. I mean, he's he becomes in a way just the the Dragon Quest guy, which is, I don't. I'm sure right. he's cool with because it's such a legendary series. But you know, he also takes part in my favorite game, Chrono Trigger. So I, I have a lot of respect for him, and yeah, really cool stuff from him. I do want to say, uh, just you know, going into it, we here in the Americas, you know, we're this is before my time, at least. Um, I think your time as well. But like when this game got introduced, it had already been out for three years in Japan. Yeah. And so this came out in 1989, and I, it, it almost like was set up for failure in a sense. I heard Nintendo Power just gave away copies of this game because they they couldn't get rid of like copies on store shelves. Yeah. And the fact that like if you thought about that today, like a PS4 game that was that came out four years ago being released today, like my first impressions would be like, this is outdated. Mm -hmm. You know, there are so many games that have done this better. Do you have any feelings about that? Uh, well, I think it ties in with a lot of the, the fact and a, a more irony really, uh, that RPGs don't do well, or especially back then didn't do well in America. America wasn't really ready for the, the Japanese RPG style, which is ironic again, because it was made out of appreciation for American and European RPGs. So there's, there's something to that. I don't know why America didn't grasp onto it in the same way. We mm. loved Zelda. Like, and it's got yeah. that, I mean, obviously it's not Zelda, but it's got that feel to it of exploration. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just think America got shafted a little bit in terms of the Dragon Warrior series. And it's an ongoing theme. Yeah, yeah, we'll see that. And then anybody who's into RPGs in America knows how bad America gets it as far as RPGs goes. I mean, we just talked about the Dragon Quest Monsters stuff, but there's tons of RPGs that just never see the light of day over here. Mm. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, Akira Toriyama a little bit. You might have more to say on him. I'm not sure what your your investment is on in, in Akira Toriyama. Obviously, he's most famous for Dragon Ball, um, but he does the art for Dragon Quest. They wanted him to do it because they wanted to give it more of a mainstream appeal. 
uh, I, I mean, his work is so pronounced at this point. Anytime I see Dragon Quest, you, you know who the artist is and you know at least who it was inspired by. What's your opinion of Akira Toriyama? Well, I grew up watching Dragon Ball Z in high school. I used to binge watch with my friend online. And, uh, you know, that series was slow moving, but that you couldn't help but like read the charm into those characters, Goku, Gohan. They all look the same, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's me being like some kind of anime racist or something. But um, <laughs> I, I I think his uh, his artwork is endearing. And the fact that it you know, I, I actually had to look this up. I wasn't sure when Dragon Ball, the original, first came out because I knew I watched Z in the 90s. Um, but I, I was fascinated to learn that Dragon Ball came out in 1984, which then inspired um, the artwork for Dragon Quest. If you look at like Portopia, you know, like I only looked at the front cover of that. But the fact that like Dragon Quest was inspired by Portopia, I like <laughs> I haven't played that game, but I'm like trying to make the connections between, you know, this like modern like uh 1980s kind of dracula looking thing to dragon quest i can't make it <laughs> how do you feel about the artwork in dragon quest slash the chrono trigger etc i love it i love how bright it is i love the characters and hey i love dragon dragon ball character design like that that whole mm -hmm. thing looks really great and it stood the test of time it's still popular now as far as actually liking dragon ball that's where the biggest conundrum comes in with me is people People assume because I love Chrono Trigger and love Dragon Quest and love JRPGs that I would like Dragon Ball and that I would like anime in, in general. I don't like anime. I don't watch any of it. I don't think I, I don't like the storytelling in it. I don't like a lot of things about them. So whenever people talk about it to me, it's like, wait, you like Dragon Quest, but you don't like Dragon Ball? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And like, Same artist. <laughs> and <it's> like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like, same same font yeah it's the same <laughs> <laughs> it uses color red too just like every i don't know i brought in the same uh translators I... you don't like the dragon ball translation yeah <laughs> it's... no i like the original japanese sub version no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> so that's a whole argument i never i will never understand and just stay out of yeah, the sub versus dub thing uh yeah i i don't like any of that but i love the artwork and if if it were just a matter of artwork i you can call me a dragon ball fan i i like it i like what they do with it i like the brightness think, right once you start throwing the music in there that's where you've got like a full package oh yeah i know you don't you typically don't play uh games with the sound or the music what about dragon quest slash dragon warrior do you make any exceptions there um, okay, it's weird, and it, and it it becomes kind of challenging at times, but I like to turn on the music when I think story is going on. Okay. And yeah, I always customarily have the volume on at the very beginning. So I get that right. intro music, and then I get some of the, the flavor of the, the city, the little town. And then as soon as I start farming, it's like, all right, I, I can turn on a podcast or something. How about you? I typically love the music, you know, especially the Dragon Quest music. It's so nostalgic. It's so heartwarming. That overworld theme, it's identical to the one of Monsters, which, you know, back then when I was a kid playing these games, you didn't have that podcast option. I guess you could turn the radio on or play downstairs while dad's watching a baseball game. But, yeah. uh, you know, I I had that connection, you know, just from my childhood hearing these chiptune sounds. And, um, you know, it's a bit more simplistic in this game. 
And I turned the music off when I played through it this time um, to, to put on RPGs. It kind of actually helped me progress through the game and be more attentive because there's not so much going on in this version. Uh, but when you have those endearing uh, visuals and that kind of um, heartwarming sound, you know, it's, it's really something to behold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to talk too much about Sugiyama. Sugiyama? Sugiyama. Sugiyama. Um, obviously, he does all the, the music for Dragon Quest. He's very famous for that. Also famous for some not-so-great things. If you want to look him up, you can go ahead and do that. He's got some fairly uh, questionable political views. I heard a lot of it from the Dragon Quest FM podcast. So if you want to go check them out, be sure you do. It's got a lot of Dragon Quest content because that's all they do. So- <laughs> I'd prefer not to taint my, my love of Dragon Quest. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you should not click on that link <laughs> that has a name okay. in Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Stay away from that. All right. <laughs> now we've gotten some of that early stuff out of the way. Let's talk about the game. It was released in 1989 in America, 86 over in Japan uh, on the family computer. Famicom. The NES. Okay, okay. The, the, I don't know why they called it the family, family computer in here. Everyone knows it as a Famicom. That just screwed me up. Now I'm just thinking about family computers. Like, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, Famicom. Dragon uh, Quest PC game confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> it was developed by Chunsoft and released avocados. by... Avocados. What's that? Sorry, I just... I know every time I see the Chunsoft logo, I, I think of like half an avocado. Oh, Right. Okay, I guess I'll I'll be the only one on that one. You know, well, I'm not super familiar with those these companies and their logos. So, oh, okay. You know who would get that is Alex, or Chris, or Chris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris would get it too. That's BioPhoenix. Make sure you check out BioPhoenix channel. Right. He's great. Yep. BioPhoenix. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about uh, the gameplay here. Well, let's start out with the story, I guess. And we'll move on to the gameplay because it kind of happens right after. I was interested to realize, like, there's actually kind of an in-depth backstory, which they do go into in the game, but you have to, like, kind of soak it in from different NPCs to kind of understand. One thing I I did want to kind of say about this, too. And, yeah, no, I agree. This is a game where you discover, where you discover by talking to NPCs. Mm -hmm. Um, But what what Yuji Horii's vision for this game was, was to realize this kind of rich story experience. I don't know how well this first game does it, but to see that there was this kind of interwoven tapestry of story, like yeah. preconceived into this and that like, I think Dragon Quest three would go on to be like the prequel, you know, and, and then it continues in Dragon Quest two is pretty interesting. So I just want to throw that in there. Absolutely. I, I would say if, if you were to ask me my opinion, I would say, I think he kind of failed on this one absolutely <laughs> um but but yeah you're right it's totally interesting that he attempted it which again if you think about 1986 it's like this is a game where the guy jumps <laughs> <laughs> it's like they didn't need to try that hard and he he certainly seemed to give it more of an effort than most um, it's a story everyone can relate to male saving the princess <laughs> <laughs> he did I- which <laughs> in which that's completely optional <laughs> yeah yeah you can <laughs> that hurt um 
So the story's background begins, and this is from Wikipedia. When the kingdom of Alfgard was, shr- was shrouded in permanent darkness, the brave warrior Erdrich uh, defeated an evil creature and restored light to the land. And Erdrich's possession was the ball of light, which he used to drive away enemies who threatened the kingdom. Erdrich handed the ball of light to King Lorik, and Alfgard remained peaceful for a long time. The ball of light kept winters short in Alfgard and helped maintain peace and prosperity for the region. Um, yada, 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 yada. One guy shunned the ball of light's radiance and secluded himself in a mountain cave. And, uh, he eventually, yada, yada, yada. There's a dragon lord. He's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, so he destroys towns, including Hawksness, uh, which we'll get to later. And that, that one be, remains in ruins. Uh, so the following day, Erdrich arrives at Tantagel Castle, to sp- and that's our home castle, to, to speak with King Lorik and offered his help to defeat the Dragonlord. After searching the land for clues to the Dragonlord's whereabouts, Erdrich found that the Dragonlord lived on an island that could be accessed only via magical bridge that only a rainbow drop could generate, of course. After yeah. venturing to the island, Erdrich was never heard from again. Many years later... Uh, the dragon lord attacked the, the kingdom again and captured Princess Gwalen. Many heroes tried to rescue the princess and recover the ball of light from the dragon lord's castle called Charlock, but none succeeded. The prophet Maheda predicted that one day a descendant of the valiant Erdrick shall come forth to defeat the dragon lord. However, when the descendant arrives, many of the people of Alfgard have forgotten the story of Erdrick, and those who do remember consider it a myth and do not believe in Maheda's prophecy. So there we are in the backstory of Dragon Warrior, which reading that is really honestly probably more more text about what is going on in this world than I think the game included. Probably. <laughs> it's like we're Dark Soulsing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you know uh, about this like backstory and how much of this were you like even aware of? No, so I read this before we came into the video today okay. and um I just knew about the ball of light, which I totally forgot was a thing. The ball of light. What kind of thing is that? <laughs> oh, heavenly Lord, protect us with this ball of light. Yeah. Like I'm imagining this keeping away the dragons from your whole city. How does that work? Does it just enshroud your city with light? Just makes it super bright. Dragons and dragons light. clearly don't like the light. <laughs> Based on every interpretation I've ever read. <laughs> Um, I did know about the ancestry of Erdrich and that the main character in Dragon Quest 1 was a descendant or something like that. Um, you go on later in the game to to learn about that. Not too much later. So we could talk about that. Um, I didn't know that the Dragon Lord was actually human. Uh, that and But he's supposedly a dragon. I don't... You know, maybe I'm imagining a lot of this stuff was in the manual in the NES game. Oh, maybe. So prior to like starting this up, that's where you would get that background info yeah and the game would just completely ignore it (laughs) right (laughs) yeah because you can't fit like all of that data onto the cartridge or something yeah so anyways um i didn't know all of that info but i mean it's a lot to say a little that just to set up that the main character is is legendary you know and he's he's gonna save the day and that the king's like trying to commission you to do it so yeah. Uh, 
I, I feel bad because part of me likes it. Part of me likes that there's all this story and you kind of get it in little bits and pieces from talking to the NPCs. I mean, but it is so scattershot that you're never going to come up with that whole story. Like you'll get no, it. and that's why I think part of this is like you had to have been there and done that. Like I know people in Americas were reading the Nintendo Power previews to this stuff. Oh, and maybe there's little, there's explanations in there about it. Mm-hmm. So I think in the times when you could really just commit yourself to a game and like the information in it, and you really just soak through all the information, versus we're in kind of a rapid fire culture nowadays. This is the kind of game that would just like. People would look back and be like, "This sucks." Like, you know, this is so simple. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And here we are discovering this after the fact, as it is. So, yeah. Well, that leads us up to the main story. You have arrived at Tantagel Castle. Uh, the princess has been captured. Uh, you will. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> You got to defeat the dragon lord. The princess is captured, and you have to defeat the dragon lord. Those are unrelated. <laughs> right. The princess is trivial here. We have to save the castle. <laughs> if you can save the princess, she'll marry you. But you really need to save. You need to save the castle by killing that dragon lord. I just love that. Like it's so. Oh man! Like as far as storytelling goes, it's really bad because like there's no. You're very split. And what you're supposed to do, and they don't seem to care about either that much. Mm-hmm. Um, like that king is a real shallow <laughs> NPC. Yeah. Oh no, the kingdom is is destroyed. Please, we must. You must destroy the dragon lord, child. Re- recover the ball of light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of. And it. by the way, you could save, and I'll tell you how many experience points you have. <laughs> and oh, you could save my daughter. Yeah, that would <laughs> be <want>. nice. <laughs> She's pretty hot. <laughs> you might like her. I'll tell you what, you save her, I'll give you her hand in marriage. <laughs> By the way, what's your name again? <laughs> Four characters only. <laughs> Make it short. My name is Ted. 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 Two D's. Okay, fine. You could just put Ted T E D. Oh my goodness. Um so you do a little bit of exploring. You find things like in the desert cave. Uh, Erdrick has outlined what you need to do, which is really great. You need to combine these items to make a better item, and then you will be able to kill the dragon lord. Thank you. Thank you, Erdrick. Oh, are you talking about the tablet? Yeah. Okay, before we get there, can we just talk about like kind of the uh, aesthetic of the castle? Yeah, let's Tant- do it. Is it Tantagel? Tantagel, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I honestly just like walking around in the castle and talking to all the NPCs. A lot of them are telling you the same thing. The princess has been kidnapped, etc. But like, there's like a priest and then there's locked doors. Yeah, there's already locked doors. It makes you kind of like want to be like, well, hmm, how do I get this key? How do I explore this castle? I, and then you see like there's a room of treasure chests. Yeah, and you get, you're hungry. You're licking your lips. But yeah, that's that's some clever game design because it's like, these doors are locked, so there's a weird weird obstacle that you're going to have to face, and you want to get mm-hmm. past them because there is the treasure chest. So, mm. yeah, that's a clever one. I think even just compare this to Mario Bros, right? Like the castle. Like you you, you, you go to those like little cutscenes like where you're walking past the castle, but like how often do you really feel like you're exploring the castle in Mario Bros? That's true. Yeah, it's 
It's just the background, really. I believe Super Mario Bros. was around 1986 as well, considering this came out in 1986 in Japan. That's that's an interesting fact. Like to think or a comparison to think yeah. about like the the level of exploration that Dragon Quest allots players as opposed to um, you know other games at the time. We can talk about it a little bit, but th- I mean this this and Zelda. I mean these are two open world games. Nobody mm-hmm. really talks about, but uh... and compared to to Zelda, like I'm not the I'm not a big Zelda one fan, but I would argue that this is like way more uh, structured. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it's yeah. a visible structure versus Zelda one is just like what I have to blow up a wall. <laughs> yeah, like, some okay. Wall. There's some of that in this game. We can get to that. But. Yeah. <laughs> and that and it speaks to the style of, of gamer at the time, which you were kind of alluding to, which, yeah, we'll, we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as the castles go, I'm of two minds of it. I, I, I agree that I like the castle and the, the structure and the fact that they put all these little things in it, like that become staples. You know, there's a priest in there and there's a shopkeeper or whatever. Or I don't even know if there was in that one, but I don't think there was in Tantagel, but... At the same time, it's so loud. I think the castle is just very... There's like everything going on at once in that little castle. And it, it's like, whoa, whoa. Like, can we break this up into rooms? Which obviously that would come later. A lot of things that would come later, you just you, you take for granted. But mm. right, Whereas in Tantagel, it's just everything is just slapped on and there's... This guy's here, this guy's here, this guy's here, this guy's here. And they're all just kind of walking around doing whatever, not walking and yada yada. It's it's a little much for me. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of unimportance going on. Uh, there is one area on the side of the castle that um, you, we'll discover later, like as you kind of venture on like the outskirts of the town while still in the town. Yeah. There's like a little key uh, item that you need later there. But uh, I think when, if you want to talk about like, a little more purpose the side town that's like literally four paces to the right uh the castle i think it's called breconary um is is a bit more personable because that's when you start seeing the inn the weapons shop uh the item shop and um it begins to have a bit more purpose like in your terms of exploration also um just like i've done this every time since like this this era of games but anytime i see like a pot or a trash can or anything i'm going up to it and i'll press an a and i'm like what's in here yeah what you got so like in dragon quest what well, i think there's like a little pot with like clothes in them or like a you know four gold it's like yeah. oh my god there was something there like you you just want to look in every nook and cranny absolutely the exploration was there the whole time which is exciting mm-hmm. yeah um, I, I'm going to list off a couple places and we can talk about, I, I just don't think a lot of these hold a lot of discussion, but okay. certainly I'll bring them up. And if you, if you have something that stood out to you, we can discuss it. Uh, there's Garenham or, or Garai. Again, it depends on the version you're playing. We played the switch version, but there's, there's a lot of different versions of this. Um, and that's in the Northwest or sorry, Garen, that is in the, uh, it's supposed to be in the. Mm. I think it's top northwest. Yeah, northwest. Yeah. Northwest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I'm getting west and east confused for some reason. Uh, yeah, Garenham, which is pretty small, and it eventually it has the it has stuff in it, but at the at the beginning it's kind of pointless except for the items. There's coal, which has a spring, which is kind of interesting. That's been in a couple of Dragon Quests where there, and I think that might be a Japanese influence or something about. 
with springs. Hot springs? Yeah. Okay. Right? Is that like a thing? Yeah. It's a thing. Because they don't do, do that so much in America. I mean, there is a hot spring, but... I drove I just, by one in uh, Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> but I just noticed that like in Dragon Quest specifically, there's always there's generally a town with a spring in it. It's mm. weird. It's always there's always, always like one. The well, like where you can climb down the well. There's that or the hot springs. No the wells no. are in every, every yeah, game. wells are in all, like basically every town. Um in a lot of Dragon Quest, there's a place with a spring in it where people just take little out outdoor baths. Okay. It's a weird little bit of trivia. Uh, and then the Swamp Cave. Let's stop there. So we, oh, sure. and in Cole, there's a fairy flute. <laughs> if you just go oh, a couple God. steps below the one point. Can I tell you about that? Because there's a yeah. guy in the game who tells you go four paces south of the well. And then there's a guy who's, it, it, who in the guide I've been reading says go four paces south of the well and press A. I, I thought I was doing this like so many times. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? I kept pressing A at this spot four paces south of the well. I was like, maybe maybe the directions are messed up, but maybe it's north. Maybe it's east. Maybe it's like southwest. Maybe I'm looking at the town. Road. <laughs> and, then, and so um, I looked at a video online, and they were talking about the springs. Oh. I was like, are you kidding me? Because in the game, like, it, maybe it's the translation I'm playing. It says well. And then like in the, the guide I'm reading, it says well. But there's a well and a spring in the town. And so it's the spring. If you're playing this for the first time, folks, it's the spring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure in the version I played first, which is the Game Boy Color version, um, there weren't any effects on the ground. So, but in the Switch version, luckily, it's like shining on the square. Uh. So it's, I was like, okay, I remember that. Boom, there it is. But in the Game Boy Color version, it was completely like nothing. And so, yeah, you're like four paces below the whatever they said. And you're just like, come on. And you're, you're just kind of wandering around like, really? And you're just hitting A over squares. And, and then it's like you go back to the guy. You talk to him. Did I read this right? Did I, you know, <laughs> what did I mess up? And you have to go walk all the way there. And you walk all the way back. Yeah. It's, this is the start of the obscurity. It's not too obscure at this point because at least it was outlined exactly what you're supposed to do. Um, but it's still a nuisance. And I think it speaks to that style of gameplay that used to exist that doesn't anymore that you were kind of alluding to. Like, gamers just had, like... And it was a younger audience, too, back then. But gamers just had time, and they weren't so jaded by, like, you know, the stuff we have now, which is a lot more flashy and instructionalized. Like, if you look at any Nintendo game now, there's usually a tutorial that takes, like, 20 minutes. Um, Drag West didn't have that and instead just kind of dropped you in there and let you wander about until <laughs> you might find it. Some people would call that padding. Um, I think it kind of is, but I also think uh, there is something clever about this whole like tapestry of like make you go X number of paces. It's a sign of the times, like 35 years ago. This is an old game, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but so I, I can I can forgive it in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's kind of like a scavenger hunt. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they give you a list of items, and you're like, go figure it out. And you're like, yeah. Right. <laughs> have a blast. <laughs> I have a fairy flute now. Yay. <laughs> uh, that thing's helpful. It is. Uh, but, but before we get there, we got the Swamp Cave. This connects to the lower continent, uh, which will eventually get us to Rimmeldar. But before we get there, we have a Swamp Cave. This is where a green dragon resides who is 
who is holding on to what's her name? Gwaylin. Gwaylin. Jesus. Uh, which is the I love princess, Lord of the Rings. Which is the really attractive princess. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe some people might think this would be the end of the game if they weren't totally paying attention. In some people's fantasies, it might. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, just you, won't get credits for it. You rescue her and eventually, and then you, you uh, take her back to the castle, and she's really appreciative. I played a port of like the Super Nintendo version of one and two. Mm. Um, that's like a little bit more uh, visually appealing. In that version, you can literally pick up the princess and you carry her back to the castle. Nice. It does that in the so. Switch version. Ah, okay. Yeah, cool. which was a nice visual. I do not think it did that in the Game Boy Color version that I played because I, I, I was it. taken aback by that. I was like, "What?" Yeah. Well, I like that dragon too. It's that's like the first boss in the monsters game. Um, it's like that green dragon. And it's kind of a staple kind of like uh figure in the series. Mm-hmm. That like cool looking dragon. Uh, also later on, we'll notice that there's a lot of like color palette changes for <laughs> monsters. Yeah. That, and that's a staple in dragon quest too. That's a, that's yeah. purely a laziness thing, which <laughs> whatever. Well, it, it births its origins here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of firsts, which I'm sure we can get into. Before you can uh, save the princess, you actually do have to go to that town, uh, Rimmeldar, in the south, to get a magic key. That's true. You do have to go there first. I didn't even think about that. Also, you need to use torches to to turn to use the light in the caves. How did how did you feel about the whole uh, cave torch thing? Well, here's the thing. I. I you eventually do get a spell that does it. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up using that for most of it. Afterwards, it, yeah. You get it early enough that I... I Maybe I just farmed like crazy, like a madman. Yeah. Um, but I got it early enough that I think by the time I was ready to fight the dragon, I had, a, I had it available. So okay. I, I was pretty okay with it. I think I used a torch maybe twice. Yeah. Um, but I also come from the, and I think you were the same way when we talked about Pokemon, uh, or <laughs> you in Pokemon during the cave, the cave mm-hmm. segment. You just kind of powered your way through it, even though you were completely blind. Yeah, I'm totally okay with doing that if I don't want to use a torch. So, how about you? Uh, one of the things about this game is it has an inventory issue. I think you can have your equipment and then maybe like five or six items. Mm-hmm. Um. So torches weren't a big deal in the beginning, but they just were space takers. And I just didn't know if I was going in a cave, if I get to a treasure chest or something. So it was like a mental thing. But I don't think at any point in this game, you really need more than one torch, especially considering if you die, you just respawn in the in uh, Tantagel. Mm-hmm. So um, and then once you get radiant, it's you don't you don't need torches. Yeah. Oh, thank God. <laughs> but, you know, it, it kind of speaks to the adventure side of the game that is sort of lacking in, in modern games is that there's like a, yeah, there's the stats and there's, there's the enjoying your character for combat, but there's the other side of it, which is the exploration side. And how do you, how do you do that? And most games just ignore it, which is fine. It doesn't matter. Mm. But this, I, I appreciate the game is like, no, like you, you, you can't see in here and you need to, you know, come equipped to handle a cave. Right. <laughs> there's something to be said about that. And, 
that really ties to the Etrian Odyssey series for me. I really enjoy that, the way that that game handles things where you build your characters not just for combat, but for the exploration of the dungeon itself. Mm. And uh, I think there's something to be said about that. Most games, again, nowadays don't don't care at all about that part of it. But I do like how the torches go out. Yeah. So you don't know, like, if you think you're going into a deep cave, maybe you want to carry two torches. There are a few caves in this game that you may want more than one torch for. Not this one, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, you did bring up Rimmeldar. That's where you get the keys, which basically unlocks the game, as it were. <laughs> Good one. Um, there's a million different places you can go once you get the keys. And you can only carry Somebody tells amount. you the keys are in Rimmeldar before you get there. Yeah. Like an NPC that you talk to. And then you go there and you go through all the town or the, all the houses. It's like, who, who's selling the keys? Where are the keys? Yeah. And so to get to the keys, you have to walk around the square river into like the back of a roof in <laughs> a house. And then, oh, yeah, here's the key shop. Yeah, it's such a weird thing because it's playing with the, the idea of the town limits, which... Mm is ironic because it establishes early on that when you enter and leave a town, you come in at the same spot. So you're, you're not really thinking about the outside so much because you think as soon as you hit a certain point, you've left the town. But this game clearly, it's funny because like on that area, there's like a lady in the corner where you're, you'd think you're not supposed to be. And she's mm -hmm. just kind of hanging yeah. out and you're like, oh, whoa, where's she doing over there? And is yeah, she like glitching? You, you, she glitched out over there. And you you realize that you've explored the whole town, there's nothing there, but there is a weird building over there. And then you're like, oh, that lady's over there. And then you can walk over there and makes you think about all the towns in a different way after that. Right. Yeah. Pushing the pushing the boundaries. <laughs> yeah. You can max out at six keys. And once you get these things, it's like, oh man, I wish I had these all along. Mm -hmm. I did discover though that um Anytime you enter and exit a area, if you use the key on the door, then it resets. Yeah. That's why so, in yeah, a ahead. lot of these places, you should always buy more keys from the people that are behind it because usually they sell keys behind them. Mm -hmm. So you just restock immediately because you never know if you're going to leave again on accident. Here's a pro tip. Don't be afraid to use one on a door because oftentimes you might just get another key in a treasure chest or something. Yeah, yeah. Just go crazy with it. Right. Yeah. This uh, area also lets you get some serious weapon and armor upgrades. We didn't really talk about that, but I do like how that's kind of like the stat builder in this game is like, are you saving up gold and buying equipment? Yeah. You need to save up some serious gold for the equipment in this town. Oh, yeah. Is this the one where you get the... They have things like plate armor, magic armor. Uh, the magic have... armor that, that revives, regenerates your health as you walk. I don't know if it's... I think Erdrick's armor does that, but I think it reflects spells or, or halves damage from spells. Oh, that's legit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The broadsword. Um, and each of these are like more money than you had been spending in the Northern Continent. Yeah, and these... And kind of like you said, it's an armor and weapon game for sure. Like your stats are okay, especially HP. That's important. But... Um, when you get an armor or weapon increase, it's noticeable. Like that's that's like your whole thing. So definitely a big deal. Hundred percent. Uh, speaking of armor, you want that Erdrich's armor? It's in Hosknes. 
Hawksness or Dom Hawksnest. Hawksness. <laughs> this is probably the most interesting town in the game because it's not really a town anymore. It's been taken over by monsters and it's just the remnants of a, of what once was. Mm-hmm. And in there is Erdrick's armor. You do have to go through like a little puddle, which will auto trigger a fight against the guy yeah. that killed me probably 10 times. <laughs> and I said, I've heard that he's the, one of the, the hardest in the game. Yeah. So I said, forget this. I'm going to Cantlin and I'll figure it out later. And then I did that. Um, Cantlin, of course, is the place in the bottom that's surrounded by all that stuff and has, um, you know, it has the bank. I think this is the first time we see a bank. A river bank? Is that you, oh, no, a, a, a place to store your gold. No, there's uh, one in the town next to the castle. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't even notice that. It's transferable. So whatever you put there will also appear in the other town. Okay. There you go. Uh, which is good That's, because it does yeah, already does the halving your gold when you die thing. Mm-hmm. I think to get into Cantlin, you have to fight a golem. You know, like right. these big creatures, right? And to defeat him, it's recommended you have the fairy flute. Because it puts him to sleep. Very generic uh, combat. <laughs> you know, fairy flute, attack, attack, fairy flute, attack, attack, fairy flute, attack, attack. Okay, good. Good game. Well played. <laughs> I'm going to go rest up at the end. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's simple, but it's... um Again, this is number one. So... <laughs> Have some you can't uh, say good... it's can't say it's not original. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely original. Uh, <laughs> um, have a bunch of keys by the time you get to Cantlin, and also lots of money. You're gonna have to do a lot of grinding here uh, because I think they have things like a fire sword yeah. and um, like one of the strongest armors or something, or a shield, the silver shield. Yeah, you need like a decent bit of money, but once you have that, you are pretty well equipped to fight that guy who killed you 10 times mm-hmm. and also go to the uh, dragon Lord. Uh, I want to read a little note from one of the, the, from the guide I was using. This is from IGN. Okay. I don't know if this is the main one, um, but I just thought this was kind of revealing about what the guide was like. I couldn't believe this was top of the things. Let me see if I could find it. I started. Okay. Here's a fun thing to do. Go from level six to eight and go to level 11. Uh, this will be, hold on a sec. Okay, that's not the one, but I just thought that was so dumb. Here's a fun thing to do. Go from level six to level eight. Like, have fun. Go grind. Um, and then another one. That is kind of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a fun thing. Like, okay. Um, God, I had such good ones before. Now they've all disappeared on me. Uh, but... Yeah, I don't know. Basically, it says you need three things to go to the Island of the Dragons. Then you need to kick the shit out of this guy. <laughs> um, I could see that in the Nintendo Power. Um, sorry, Mario, but our princess is in another castle. You won't actually hear that. Just thought I'd remind you all of how annoying that was. Similar to that fucking dog in Dog a Duck Hunt. And then this he goes a, into a whole anecdote. This is IGN? Yeah. Jeez. Facts, 2007. Well, anyways. What happened to this guy? Okay, here's another one. Uh, ta-da, you found the grave of Garen. Some old guy will warn you, but fuck him. He's old, so go get the silver harp. 
So I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> why I started reading this. I just thought this was hilarious as I was reading. It's bad. Yeah, yeah. Stupid humor, but huh? Um, now back from our commercial break. <laughs> so throughout this, I mean, we could go into it, but it's not to me. It's not worth it. You, you go to the, you revisit a couple of the towns. Um, specifically, I'm thinking of uh, Garenham, and go through yeah some, with the door, some right. tombs. And it, with the key and, and knowledge of going to the outside of places, it becomes clear what to do, and you you explore, get better items. Um, there, there's not really side quests so much in this game, as far as it's just like there's little quests that build up to the main quest, um, like these little ones that you know send you through dungeons and everything. Um, it's pretty bare bones, but you know you get something to do before you get to go to the main boss. I do like how challenging it was in some of these dungeons with uh, if your torches go out. It doesn't matter as much towards the end because you have a bunch of magic power. But like one of them, you get the fighters ring in and finding your way out of like the second or third floor from the basement is like impossible. I got yeah. lost in there. I was like, where's the exit? I'm trying to find. It. What does the fighters ring do? Do you know? Don't know. It doesn't give you an equipment thing, but it just says I just know it, it powers you up. Let's look that up. Dragon in Dragon Quest, the Fighter's Ring is bugged in the NES version and probably does nothing in the Super Famicom and Game Boy Color <laughs> remakes as well. Okay. Can be sold for 15 gold. Great. I'm glad I really put my time into finding that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this doesn't do anything. I was I had that really? on my on my person for like most of the game. It's either that or like cursed items, cursed necklace. Yeah. It's like don't use this because you'll you'll get a curse on you. Why do you why do they even have those? Dude, the curse thing is crazy. I'm super glad I got rid of that. Why? What, what happened? What happened was I got recovered um, by the king. Yeah. And then he wouldn't he wouldn't let me save. He kicked me out of the kingdom. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. So, what happens in the Japanese version? In the Japanese version, they don't have uh, they they don't let you save. You have to use passwords. Oh, I don't know. Okay, it's probably they don't give you the password. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No passwords until you you have to go online to computers that didn't have that. I, I have something them. here that says the fighter's ring will up your strength and speed by two if you equip it. Well, that might be the intent. Maybe that's the intent of what it does. But according it to... It has question marks next to it when I have it in the game, so... According to DragonQuest.org wiki, it's bugged in the NES and likely Super Famicom and Game Boy Color. Okay. But if it does do something, that's what it does. Plus two to... You said strength and... Speed and strength. Speed and strength. There you go. I'll take DragonQuest.orgs <laughs> over IGN. <laughs> Sells for 15 gold. There you go. Lovely. Um, yeah, so you go through a couple dungeons, and then um, you go to that little place in the south, the very south, bottom right, um, eventually. 140 west, or 140 north, south. Oh, you, yeah. And it's ju like just south of uh, Cantlin in the yeah. swamp, the uh, poison area. I played the Super Nintendo version. They had the directions backwards. Oh. 
So mine was like, uh, I don't know. I, I had to invert what it was telling me to do. So really dumb, but. And you talked to the queen, the, the princess to give you the directions. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, you, <laughs> she's, she's Siri. <laughs> Pre Siri. Right. <laughs> she just tells you where to go. I'm just going to start looking at my phone and go, Hey, Gwalen. <laughs> how, how how far is it to work <laughs> we should get married <laughs> I, I asked about work <laughs> <laughs> will you take me with you on your adventure yeah. <laughs> and you take all these items you've collected and you're able to make the rainbow drop with that old man in that little area that's, at the bottom. that's what I always wanted to do make your rainbow drop with old men moving on <laughs> <laughs> You're able to uh, make the rainbow drop and therefore create the rainbow bridge, which takes you to the final area, Charlock Castle, where the Dragon Lord is waiting for you. How in God's name would you have figured out how to use where the rain, where to use the rainbow drop pre walkthrough? I don't know. I think it's it's like the only place. I mean, verbally, it makes no sense. Right. Where the rain and the sun meet. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's no rain here, nor is there sun. Ironically, there's a there's a patch, uh, a patch of trees in the middle of a desert in the upper right part of the game, like of the map. Uh-huh. And I went there and used it. Not the actual item, but I tried to put the two together just as an item or something. It didn't make any sense, but and obviously nothing happened, but that is a place where theoretically rain and sun meet. Um, but clearly that's not what they intended. Uh, they wanted you to use it on that bridge. I mean, I guess it makes sense in that that's the end of the game, like clearly, and it's telling you to go there. So maybe, but yeah, I don't, it, it doesn't give you any help as to what it's talking about. I, I just don't know where you even see that area of the game unless you just happen to explore over there. I think this is something people were like scouring through their magazines for back in the day. Dude, where's the remake? They make a remake of this game and then there's like tons of rain over there and then sunlight on the other side. Maybe they should invest in a Dragon Quest 1 remake. <laughs> It'd be ridiculous, but... It would be Dark Souls. Faithful. Wouldn't it be Dark Souls? Isn't that kind of it? With, with happy slimes and uh, happy ghosts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure maybe just somebody just needs to patch Dark Souls. And go. maybe like turn the slimes for a smile upside down. Oh, so it's like happy slime to like angry slime. Yeah, I've never seen an angry slime. Um, where there might be in that uh, DS game about the slime. Joker? Oh, rocket slime. Rocket slime. Maybe there's an angry one in there. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't recall one, but if there's gonna be one, that's the place. Mm-hmm. We gotta play that game is freaking great too. I love that game. Um Charlock's Castle. This is the biggest castle in the game. It's your biggest theoretically challenge, although I don't know if it was for me. Um what do you think of Charlock Castle? Uh this was definitely one of those moments you alluded to before where I turned the sound back on. I just wanted to hear what was going on. I don't remember the theme, but uh I just remember I was like expecting it to be like the big bad cave, you know, the final tunnel section. It kind of is, you know, you yeah. have to go around and, 
And you have the color swaps on a lot of these classic monsters like the knights and the dragons. And um, I think there's one more. It might be the wyvern or something. Um, what was your experience with it? Same. It was unfortunately it's the nes kind of stuff it's it's all the same you know color swaps to get things more exciting but i mean the dungeons look like the last two dungeons i went through yeah um you know it is what it is it's exciting because the challenge is there but um other than that erdrick sword that's cool yeah and that one was weird because like to get it you had to keep going up this endless loop of stairs and then once you realize that the endless loop is an ending you just go back and then when you go back it's like you're in the area with the treasure chest yeah like what yeah i didn't i didn't get it it was like bad coding it was weird it was weird and it you would think that you would like have to solve a puzzle but it's it's a puzzle but they give you the answer for not for nothing it's like right like man what if they were like okay erdrick sword when you think you've gone the same direction four times that's when you need to turn back like I'd be like, okay, what does that mean? And then I'd be doing that one, two, three, four. Oh, I gotta turn back. And there you go. Instead, right? It like, really what if matter. they use that on Erdrick's tablet in the beginning of the game instead of giving you like the story saying you must collect three items from three old men, and like, and and eventually when four doors, you know, like yeah, are crossed, you must turn back and the sword will be yours. Yeah, <laughs> this is Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> telling you. Exactly, he's he belongs in the remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should have done that, but. You know, whatever. I guess not. <laughs> and then once you get through the castle, you end up on the east side of the castle. The east side? East side. And you're going to fight the... a dragon lord. There he is. I like that he comes in two forms, just like in in all the other games. There's always multiple forms when they start. In traditional here. Dragon Quest fashion. I like that they started that trend early. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, he asked you a prompt before you go into battle with him. It's like, uh, oh, you found me. Will you rule the world with me? <laughs> yes or no. Are you sure? <laughs> well, fine, then. I will fight you to the death in this duel. <laughs> yeah, it was funny to use that accent because, yeah, they use that, like, old English style of speaking throughout, which is kind of eye-rolling. Mm. Yeah. yeah, thou hath verily attained 10 XP. <laughs> In, enjoy your your your, uh, your spread. I don't know. Um, yeah, this is um this is a good battle. It's it. I guess it's probably like one of the one of three major boss four major boss battles. You have the golem. You have the dragon. You have um. You have dragon lord. There was one other. I was thinking the one in the in the town that's destroyed. I can't remember. The knight, yeah. Yeah, the knight guy. Um, So I think when you first start fighting him, he's using like fire attacks, is that right? He looks yeah. like a priest, an evil kind of priest. Yeah. And, and so I was using a lot of like heal spells, attack, attack, heal. How about you? Oh, same. Yeah, it's it's basically attack and then mid-heal when, when you're low. And it's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's it forever <laughs> yeah what's really the second phase change it's a dragon like a red dragon or something yeah yeah it's it's more a dragon looking gross creature dragon oversized dragon or something yeah i want to see it One i haven't seen it in a while dragon lord 
Okay, so yeah, first oh. it's like a priest wearing like a robe, a purple robe. Right. Yeah. Almost looks there's like your your Dracula kind of thing you were talking about from the other game. Uh, what the hell is it? Portopia. Portopia. And then he turns into Well, where is it? Purple dragon. He just turned into like a purple dragon? Barney. Was Barney subtly influenced by Dragon Quest? Confirmed. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Then he turns into the dragon, which I guess is supposed to be the dragon on the cover. That weird, like, anime cover. Yeah, it's blue. Well, where it's like you have the little little guy pr- bracing himself to fight the dragon. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, this battle was interesting when he turns into this dragon because he has like different uh, ranges of fireballs, so you don't really know what to expect. One of them is lethal. One of them's big. One of his flame attacks. Yeah, and then he had, he would just spit out like some flames sometimes. There might be like a slash attack. Yeah, I mean, it basically turns into a battle with your mana pool. Like, do you have enough mana to keep mid healing yourself? Which and you know, are you willing to take that risk, or are you going to try and risk another attack in there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Basically, so so it comes down to do you have do you have less than or more than forty HP, and then do you attack and then yeah i think a little more than that even if you have max equipment upgrades like i was at i i got crushed at level 20 by this guy hmm i at 21 i was pretty comfortably doing it but um yeah and considering there aren't like mana uh replenishing items in this game yeah you know you have to go through that whole castle you're stuck with the run of the castle Mm -hmm. and there you go um i that's Dragon Quest, man. It's a. Uh, it it is unforgiving, which I appreciate, um, but also simple. Like there's not a whole lot to it. That's that might be Dragon Quest in a nutshell. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely those 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 multi phase boss battles at the end of Dragon Quest games. Yeah, like this is signature that, it's although just, obviously simplified. Yeah, it's like you got to earn it, and there you go. Um, you do beat them and. You save the kingdom, and he asks if you want to rule, and you say no. I want to go make play my Dragon own. Quest Two. Yeah, I want to go play Dragon Quest Two. <laughs> <laughs> you want to make your own path, and your your wife follows you. And there you Who's go. Who's his daughter? Who's his daughter? Yeah. Go with her daughter. Go with him, daughter. Yes, daughter. That's Dragon Quest, man. There you go. The ball of light. It is a uh, very simple, very simple, uh, and yet obscure in some regards. A sign of its times. Yeah, this is a. You've played a lot of the older ones, as you mentioned, and this is your first time beating the original. What what is it? What do you think? What does that reflect on the series for you? Uh, this is like the prototype. Uh, and you know, I've beaten four, seven monsters, rocket slime. I played some of these spinoffs. Um, this one I think is, is, is a great originator in understanding its importance, uh, for the rest of the series. We're going to let alone the genre for a second. Although I know games 
like uh, take influence from like this original style of turn-based RPG. It has many limitations that uh, you know other series adjust for, and it has kind of a tragic history that is is a forecast of what happens with the rest of the series uh, outside of Japan. But um, lots to love. A lot of uh, a lot of classic elements, and I imagine if this was my first game, I would have been very nostalgic for it. Even experiencing it vicariously through magazines or manuals or you know mm-hmm. box covers, I still see that NES cartridge artwork, and I go like, "Wow, that would be a real collector's item." I know that first one came with a map or something or like some poster. Right. Yeah. Maybe did it. That would be very useful. That'd be for sure. Yeah. It's to, to have that display. If you I believe like, in, it, the, into it. in the original versions, there wasn't any, like mm-hmm. in in game, there wasn't no right. Map. Yeah, no in game map. That's another thing. You know, like it's antiquated, uh, but it's not unplayable. Some of these old games are unplayable. I like Zelda One. Forget it. I'm not even. I'm not going to try it. Mm-hmm. I think I've tried it a little bit, but I'm like, there's no chance I'm getting through this. I printed out a walkthrough for this. I felt like I needed it. Uh, I I feel like that's probably my ideal way to experience like some of these NES era games. Mm-hmm. Or Dragon Quest games, especially. The other ones, I think, like when I played Dragon Quest Four, pretty much played itself. Dragon Quest Five, I almost finished, but I just I got somewhere, I got stuck, and then I just left it alone because I was getting frustrated. Um, I think the later ones have their moments where they feel a little like, "What do I do?" Uh, this one, you, I think, you need to be, you need to have your hand held with like a, a visual guide, whether it be a map or a walkthrough, or whatever. Um. But it's it's there's something rewarding about being able to say I finished Dragon Quest one. Yeah. Well, okay, and and for us especially, right? Because we're fans of the series. That's but it. I but I pose this question to you: Can you recommend this to a, somebody who hasn't played a Dragon Quest game before? Not as their first one. I think it would tarnish, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what what could be enjoyed in the series and make them hate it. Um, I think that might be a pitfall. I was thinking you have to start with the first one. Like my first Final Fantasy that I played was like nine. And then I went back and I played seven and you know, I dabbled in like 15. So, I, you know, I don't I don't feel like you need to start with uh, Dragon Quest one. I, I doubt there's anyone in this fan base that would tell you you should unless they're like old school NES heads. <laughs> no, that's not me. That's not you. Well, yeah, I mean, like how many how many uh, Final Fantasy fans? Because there's a lot more of those. How many Final Fantasy fans are like, my favorite is one? Nobody. Nobody. Maybe like some people might say that, but Maybe I don't think anyone would recommend you start with Final Fantasy one. There'll be like six or seven or or nine. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, But a lot of people really have that stigma to it, which, which always, oh, it irritates me. I, I like I get I get you wanting to like play a series from the beginning, but it makes a lot more sense to do it if it's like a story-based series where they're yeah. all like tied together, which technically one, two and three are tied together, but I don't also don't recommend two or three to start with. So uh, I had, I had well, a guy, three, three, is, three is a little different, but go ahead. I had a guy once tell me that he, he couldn't play persona five because he hasn't played persona one yet. And I was like, man, like, you're going to lose an entire series because <laughs> just that, that line of thinking is so destructive to me. I, I don't, I don't buy into that. It's, it's much different if you're like playing a Sonic game 
you know, like you could play Sonic one, two, and three like that, like, you know, and that's nothing. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about these lengthy RPGs, a lot of people, like even myself included, I'll start an RPG and I'll just put it down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so not like, even the RPG's fault sometimes. It's just life. Right. This is a 35 year old game. Like, that. you know, what's to say? <laughs> yeah. What are you going to get from this? <laughs> that's like hearing a kid nowadays recommend a movie from like the 70s. Yeah. You know, like it's just, it doesn't happen. Um, but I also wouldn't neglect it for that reason. I just wouldn't start with it. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think if you appreciate the series, and you know you played a couple games and you're like, "Wow, I really, really like it." It's like, okay, try the inspiration for it. Like, try try the beginning from it and see if you know see what you can love from it. Because there's things to love from the game. Yeah. I, I think this is more of a history lesson, and it's like it, than anything. And the, the problem is, a lot of people don't have an affinity. For history mm -hmm. and um i think uh if you're interested in the roots of like turn-based rpgs this is not necessarily why i'd recommend this i think if you're interested in the roots of dragon quest that's why i would recommend this that i think that is the target fan base for this game nowadays yeah 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 i i don't i don't foresee it as like an rpg classic either i i no. i they wanted to introduce party stuff that didn't come until later. They couldn't even put a party in this game. Like I think I, and as much as I don't like the series as much, I think final fantasy one is more of like an RPG classic than this one is mm -hmm. because it's got things that people like, like from the series and everything. And whereas this game is very stripped down to the point where it's like you said, it's more of a history lesson. It's more of an exercise into what they can do. As, as opposed to like a full fleshed out game that you're going to be like, wow, that was quite a ride. I will say, though, that this is an excellent game to play through if um, you don't really care about the story all that much, which is kind of disappointing <laughs> because that was like Yuji Horii's big thing was like, I want to make a game that everyone can connect with. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just sitting here playing podcasts like, you know, like, uh-huh. Oh, wow. The button mappers. Oh, oh, what's that? I killed the dragon. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Super. Yeah, I'm gonna. What what did Spencer say on the on the Super Mario 64 apps? Okay, yeah, so you get the point. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, now's the part where I talk about some trivia. A little. Did you know Dragon Quest? A little. Did you know about Dragon Quest? Yeah, Dragon Quest is a game. For um, the family computer. Did you know? Spencer, did you know what the family computer? <laughs> <laughs> I know what the family computer is. It just labeled that, and it threw me off. Okay, like, right. Because I, I I know it as the Famicom, so it's like it was just weird seeing it as the family computer. Like, yeah, I guess it was technically. But did you know the Dragon Quest came out on the computer? You might be saying I've never heard of Dragon Quest, but I've heard of Dragon Warrior. Am I supposed to guess something? What's going on? No, the reason that you, the reason that you've heard of Dragon Warrior is that uh, originally in America there's a company called Simulations Productions, which, and they released a tabletop game called Dragon Quest, one word, and they continued it until the late 1980s. So for a while in America they did not switch it over. The first game in America to go by Dragon Quest was Dragon Quest Eight. Which is the first game I played of the series, and my one of my favorites. 
So the one on the PlayStation One was Dragon Warrior Seven. That's right. Wow. I guess these things have like twenty-year copyrights, like these naming conventions or something like that. Because I know that's the the that was like the thing with songs on YouTube for a while. It was like you have to wait like tw- a twenty-year-old song should be okay to use. Yeah. It's weird. And then like in YouTube, there's all these movies from like the fifties that you can mm-hmm. just watch. Which I got into right. for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like watching old horror movies. Like if you want to watch old horror movies, they're all free on YouTube. So just go over and check them out. <laughs> like, okay. Not my thing, but cool. <laughs> uh in Final Fantasy in Elfheim, there's a gravestone that reads, Here lies Erdrick, eight thirty seven to eight sixty six. Rest in peace. Nice. Some interesting crossover there. Ironic because eventually uh, Square Enix or Square would become Square Enix and buy out that whole thing, which kind of cool. Um, There's some crossover between that new Yakuza game and and this Dragon Quest game too. Yeah, they keep didn't they don't they say like his his favorite game or something is Dragon Quest. Something like that. They market it like it's a, the classic RPG. And also, like, at the end of the trailer, he's fighting a dragon or something. It's like a dragon. Yeah. Dragon. So. <laughs> the influences are there, man. Uh, it is considered by many to be Japan's national video game, including um, beating Mario for that title. Which is kind of weird. That's wild. That's We've, great. I, could you imagine? Like going to the not, no, because in America nobody gives a shit about Dragon Quest. Your Dragon Quest banana milk, or like a, <laughs> your, uh, your your Rocket Slime Cheerios. Yeah, that's that's crazy because like in America nobody cares about it. It's weird to think that in Japan, like it's like people take days off to play it, and people have like parades and stuff for Dragon Quest. It's hard to imagine. Count Charlock. Uh, Choco Puff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the series inspired the hardware of the Nintendo 3DS. I'm getting this from Screen Rant, so I apologize for getting it from Screen Rant, but they have some trivia. Um, one of the most popular features of the 3DS is known as Street Pass. If you carry your 3DS on your person and pass someone who also has it, then two will share console information. I will say I've never used this before. Um, this must be a Japanese influence thing because. It's a street pass thing. I've never used this before. Oh, it's different if you live in a city. I used to take my 3DS on the train with me all the time, and I'd probably street pass like five, six people. Serious? Oh, yeah. that's pretty cool. You I... just leave the Wi-Fi on, and then it, it'll like communicate with nearby 3DSs. That's kind of neat. It never yeah. did that. I've carried it occasionally, and it never did anything for me. But it's yeah, got to be mode. So, but and being in a city is a little different. Mm. Nowadays, it's like who's carrying their 3DS with them. But like five years ago, that was that was legit. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it was inspired by Dragon Quest IX Sentinels of the Starry Skies for the Nintendo DS. <laughs> the game had a feature called Tag Mode that acted in a similar feature. Iwata admitted to that, that uh, that's where he got it from. Did you know there's like... Uh five games in japan at least that are dragon quest games on the 3ds oh there's got to be yeah with all the maybe six yeah because they had remakes of Monsters one and two yeah they had uh monsters joker three right which i've like every month or so i'll just go on and see like what's the status of that coming over which now is pretty much dead at at this point but they had um 
Theater Rhythm, Dragon Quest Edition. Here we got only Final Fantasy. Oh, I think they might have had a Fortune Street game on the 3DS. What's Fortune Street? It's like Monopoly, but without the mini games and with uh, stocks. And it's oh. a crossover Mario and uh, Dragon Quest characters. That's kind of cool. Dude, there's I would one get on the a Monopoly Dragon Quest. It's really good. And there's a few of them on the DS. It's called Itadaki Street. But um, you can just call it Fortune Street. And then they had seven and eight remakes, which we got. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's some trivia that's not on the screen rant thing, but uh, are you familiar with the stats? I know the naming convention. If you change your name, it affects the stats that you get. Yeah, yeah. So the stats are based on your name. And there's a site. I went to it actually before we did this. I was just kind of playing around with it. You can put in different names to see what the stat changes would be. That's kind of fun. What's the site called? Um, I have it on here. Give them a little shout out. The site is um, guides.gamecorner.net. And they have a name stats tool. And it's specific. Game corner? Games corner? So it's called it's guides.gamecorner.net. Hmm. I'll send you the link. Okay. Um if you can find it on the podcast thing. Yeah, throw it in the chat. Put it in the chat. Um but uh yeah, it's pretty interesting uh you wouldn't think that they would do something like that but here you go i guess when they when you haven't done it before you can make your own you make your own weird decisions and none of the this one didn't carry on to the other games that's probably for a good reason but it's definitely interesting it's a curio okay let's do a little challenge let's see who can come up with the higher stats okay well how about this what also before we do that what uh what name did you choose I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember? Okay. I always do Pico. And okay. Pico is really bad, apparently. And it... I, I, I might have done like um, M-A-J-R, like Majara, or I might have done Tex. Sometimes I do T-E-X. <laughs> My man. Tex actually does pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. How do I enter these? So if you want, it's game uh, guides.gamercorner.net slash dw slash name slash or name um, forward thingy stats slash man that's gonna be impossible to type in. Uh, Every character, if you it's, it doesn't make sense to use less than the four characters. You need to use all four characters if you want a bonus. The three three text by itself gets you the good bonuses. Check this. If type in t t. T T. Ooh, that's no good. Yeah, what's this? Yeah, just it it can be negative. That's the thing. The game was like merciless. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, let us know uh, what name you picked in Dragon Warrior and what your stat bonus is. See what you can do is like a normal name to get you the best stat bonus. Dude, I'd pick text. That's pretty good. It always becomes negative down here. 
the further down you go in like strength and agility or whatever um because it does like a negative 10 percent to the bonus and that's why at the top the 10 percent doesn't mean anything because the number's so small so you end up with just the bonus and then it diminishes over time it's a little, little okay maybe i'll understand it later I still don't fully understand it, and I don't. I don't. I definitely don't understand how the characters play into it. Mm-hmm. But definitely interesting. <laughs> Can yep. you imagine, like writing a strategy guide? Like, okay, name your character B L X Y. He will be a god. <laughs> I'll see how good God does. <laughs> oh God! Not bad. Not bad. God is okay. <laughs> uh, the, the only thing I wanted to mention is just kind of firsts for Dragon Quest. You have the slimes. I mean, a lot of the characters in there are first. And that's not that much of an accomplishment. But the slimes are there. They persisted. There is a metal slime. I don't know. Did you ever run into the metal slime? I could never beat it. I couldn't beat it either. No. But you did see him? Yeah, he would run away every time. That's good. So... Metal Slime's in there, and Puff Puff is in there. In the Japanese version. It's in the Switch version, too. Really? Okay. Yeah. So they modified it. That's apparently a joke where Puff Puff is supposed to be like playing with your titties or something. Exactly. Uh, but in, in in everything we get, it's 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 either like they it's an illusion of something else, or it's just the screen goes black and then it comes back again. And then it's over. We never get any of the, the good action. In the North American version, the same woman sells tomatoes. Uh, the woman is selling Puff Puff in the Japanese version. Dude, oh my god. I can't wait to get to, I think, I think it's three. Mm-hmm. I think it's in three. We'll, we'll talk about them. That has the weirdest Puff Puff scene. Like, <laughs> Maybe the weirdest sex scene in gaming for like a long time. I know God of War has like a threesome in it, so whatever. But th- okay. this one has Dragon Quest Three is is very interesting. So Dragon yeah. Quest Three for Dragon Quest Threesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll get to that later. Um, but uh, that's Dragon Quest, man. That's Woo-hoo! it. We did our first episode in our first game. Dragon Quest archived. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to consider this one archived, man. Uh, this has been fun. Next up, we're going to have to get to Dragon Quest 2. We're going to just play them all con- uh, sequentially, right? Hell yeah. Despite I'm, a long I'm... rant we just made about how we shouldn't play everything <laughs> sequentially. Yeah. Let's do uh let's do 11. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um no, nah, I want to I want to do sequential. Um Yeah. yeah. I'm really looking forward to playing the best in the Dragon Quest series, even if it's not the next one. Three is good. Three is good. I have nostalgic memories of three. I have no nothing of two. I just know that people say it sucks. It's the worst, for sure. Yeah. Okay, can't wait. <laughs> I'm thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, which if will... you're a true dragon warrior, a true warrior can even suffer through the worst of them. Um, we'll play through it. I'm not sure in the later games, we'll be splitting these up into multiple podcasts, but I'm not sure with two yet. We'll see how long it is and if it's worth 
there's enough content we're talking about. Um, the, the original RPG beckons the original question. Is it worth it? <laughs> uh, um, thank you so much for joining me, Teddy. This is a blast. Absolutely, Spencer. Thanks for uh, having me on. Looking forward to uh, archiving the rest of these uh, classics in the Dragon Quest series. All right. Well, that's all for Dragon Quest. Consider it archived, and we'll see you guys at the next video. Take it easy. See ya.